This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and uh, my usual partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Wait, you got a drink? I thought you're bypassing it. You... Oh, is that what we're doing? We're by... No, I had a uh, oh. beer. You, got, you don't have a drink? Oh, no, I do. I thought you said you weren't going for it. Well, it's St. Patty's Day, everybody. So oh, I, I thought I thought you meant like am I going out later on today? To get oh, no, no, I, thought, I was talking about the show. Oh, oh my bad. Uh, yeah, well, well uh, happy St. Patty's Day to our Manips and Oh, look, you even got the green shirt on. Oh, I got a yeah, green planner book. That, that's oh. what I got. There you go. Uh, the- we, we dressed up yesterday at the office um, in green with leprechaun hats and stuff. Oh, uh, nice, nice. Hopefully, uh, hoping the team's got their green shirts on today. I'll go make my rounds later. I'm a little disappointed. I don't have a traditional Irish beer. I have a Guinness, but it's pretty warm, so... I'm not gonna make that sacrifice yeah. today. Um, I could get Irish whiskey out. I didn't even think of that. No. Um, I've been telling I've been telling Marta. She's uh, I'm sure people who listen to the show. She's um, one of our uh, senior therapists at Pursue PT. But she got me this beer a while back, and she's been nagging me. Um, Have you drank it? Have you drank it? Have you drank it? And I was like, I'm saving for an episode. So I was like, let me just do it and make her proud. There you go. Um, so that's why I don't have an Irish uh, drink, but now I'm like, maybe I should get a shot real quick just for, you know, St. Patty's Day's sake. But anyway, um, I got this raspberry whale cake. I, I'm curious to see. I mean, cake sounds sweet. It's a cream ale. I, I might like it. Raspberry yeah, it might be a little bitter. Mm. So we'll, we'll find out. What do you so, got? Um, I got, uh, which is good for our topic today. Um and it's got some green on it, so I didn't go uh, totally against the holiday. It's called Level Up Tropical. Uh, it's one of my from one of my favorite of all time breweries, Yards in uh, Philly. So it's an uh, Indian Pale Ale, obviously tropical flavors. Um, I I do have at least an Irish themed glass from Gale Brewing. Uh, that's in um, where I go. Uh, shoot. Um, New York, up uh, in upstate New York, uh, Finger Lakes. That's where it was. It wasn't the best brewery, but that's probably the reason why I can't blink it out. But great glass, so let's let's give it up to them. So um, good brew. I've had this. I've had a, a six pack of it. Uh, so I'll test it on the show for today's rating. I know I've been a little bit generous of lately, so I'm gonna let it sit on the palate for a little bit before I give my final rating. There we go. So today, oh, we guess we got distracted. Um, today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Uh, Brent had a awesome uh, Fridays with a fellow uh, that he's been uh, featuring on his uh, Think Like a Fellow Instagram uh, live every Friday at is it seven eight thirty seven thirty a.m. Yeah, seven thirty a.m. So before most of us kind of get out there and start treating for the day. Uh, Brand's been having some good live uh, conversations and getting getting the people going. Um, so uh, one of them, the conversations was about uh, imposter syndrome. I know I've seen a lot about it, especially in the consulting world, uh, about uh, imposter syndrome. Where is this belief that you pretty much don't have enough confidence in yourself, or 
don't believe you're as good as you, what other people perceive that you really are. So um, Brandon, being that this is, uh, you just had a conversation about it. Um, why don't you lead us off while I... Uh, yeah, well, I got, I got to do my, my beer here. Oh, too. yeah. So cheers that to that, my man. Cheers. Oh, we got to get, you got to get some beer cups. No, I, I have one. I just didn't get it. Yeah. So, I'll be, I just would be curious to see what that looks like. It was, you want, you want me to get dark? a beer cup? It, nah, it's all right. It's all right. Well, it says People. cream ale, so I'm assuming it's light. Lighter, right? All right. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how to describe this. It's, it's not that raspberry. It's definitely light. I'd probably use this for beer pong or something, to tell you the truth. Really? Well, it's cream ale, so it's lighter. So I guess that does warrant that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, indifferent. I'm at a loss for words. You know, my palate isn't as groomed as you are when it comes mm. to the beer world. But the, the can's cool. Yeah. It has two whales on the front. I don't know where she got this from. I got to ask her again. I forget where she got it from. Anyway, all right, moving on. We're, we're getting sidetracked on, on St. Patty's and beer. And pocket <laughs> syndrome. Yeah, the reason why I uh, did the IG live, think like a fellow live Friday with the fellows, is because like literally like three, I don't even think it was three days in a row. It was just like probably three times within like a day, right? Where I saw on Instagram, someone posting about, are you imposter syndrome and all this shit? Um, then I saw on, in uh, what I say? I'm sorry. First one was Facebook. Second one was Twitter talking about how, I didn't say the word imposter uh, syndrome, but basically what value do you get at the OCS, right? I've seen three times in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. And then the one that I saw you going ham on uh, by, by physiogram, someone had posted um, about imposter syndrome and again, the OCS and the, the lack of value the OCS has. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, what, why, what is it with this imposter syndrome lately? And why is it that the default? And I'll say this before we even get started. The biggest imposter syndrome, if we're going to use imposter syndrome, the biggest time you're an imposter is when you graduate DPT school and you think you know something. Like right there, you, that's the biggest time you will be an imposter. But yet that's the biggest time you're like, I have a doctor. I know what I'm doing. I, you know, some people think, you know, uh, it's an entry level program on you, an ent- entry level keyword entry. Yeah. And people come out, I'm a doctor. I know, I know X, Y, and Z. I'm the shit. And granted, in some respects you are, and you should have that confidence, but that's where you probably know the least, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, versus somebody who's, who's done uh, other certifications or tests or, or mm-hmm. whatever, right? So, um, you know, th- this goes beyond like residencies and fellowships and, and you know, courses and, and alphabet soup, right? Like our profession is notorious for alphabet soup. Right. And yes, Jeremy and I have the alphabet behind our name. Right. And we're, we're, we're attacking it. But there, I, I, in my opinion, this is, this is Brandon Cruz's think like a fellow's opinion. There is a difference between different credentials or different letters behind your name. Is there the letters like an OCS and SCS, a FAMP that typically require a fellowship training, which minimum is a year of training, if not more, mm-hmm. residency training, which is a year. Mm-hmm. Or if you choose a shortcut route, which is, the just just a study for the OCS, which is fine, but you probably need a good two, three, four months of studying, depending on what type of person you are, mm-hmm. and it's it's training you to treat on the uh, up to date information, mm-hmm. right? That takes time to put in versus mm-hmm. your 
credentials that you get because you took a weekend NASM course. Like if you're a PT putting a NASM PES or CES um, certification at the end of your name, like that's the alphabet soup, right? If you're taking just, you know, where you're paying money and at the end of the weekend, maybe they give you some BS test or sometimes they swoop that test under the rug and don't even do the test. And they give you, oh, the letters at the end. Like those are BS credentials. Those are BS um, names. Those are, um, that's the imposter syndrome. Like what did, what value did that add to your clinic, clinical skills, clinical reasoning, whatever, Mm. versus, you know, something that takes you a little bit deeper. Mm. I'll stop there. I know you have some stuff you want to say, Jared, but like what's imposter syndrome? Like let's stop bastardizing our profession Mm. because you know, no matter whether it's PT, um, surgery, business coaching, business coaching and PT, business sales and and, and other industries, like, well, mm-hmm. chances are you've you've either done it a really long time mm-hmm. and got good at it, or you had a coach or a, a mentor mm-hmm. or some type of process that has helped you learn. Why why is that such a bad thing nowadays? Anyway, I'll, I'll continue in a second. Yeah, I mean, to, to go off of that, I think a lot of what people experience and why it's such a bad thing is, uh, I believe a lot of us coming out of school is we're such a jaded profession. We got this doctorate. It costs a shit ton of money. Uh, we don't get paid a ton. And that's it. That Well, if I'm not going to get paid a ton, then that's it for my education. Fuck it. I've got my doctorate and everything like that. I'm going to go good enough to go out there and, you know, start treating. Great. Um, I think that's important. Obviously, get the hands on skills and everything like that. But um, in the same sense, like us bitching about the fact that we don't get paid enough. um, We have these individuals that go out there, don't push themselves, don't learn anything more than what they learned back, you know, in PT school, which is, again, outdated. And let's say even the OCS, the SES, those tests are outdated. But to an extent, uh, I think I think there's to, some to a certain extent, probably not as bad as our boards exam or standard MPTE exam. Yeah. But uh, at least you're pushing and learning some more stuff. And a lot of that's more critical thinking. The MPTE is more like uh, there's right and wrong answers. Are you safe. And safe. Yeah. Are you safe? The a lot of the OCS and SES exams is there's four right answers. It's causing critical thinking, thinking, having you think at a higher level to pick the best right answer. Um, so a lot of people say like, oh yeah, it's a couple of years back and whatever it may be. But I really think it's this, you know, this jadedness that we have of like, oh yeah, we've, we, we've done, we've put enough time and money in. So therefore I'm good enough. Let me get out there and, you know, start business. Hey, man, go good for you if you can. Uh, I love the idea of it, but I don't think that warrants a reason to stop learning and continuing to grow. Everyone, unfortunately, everyone I've known that has started a business within the first couple months of graduating has unfortunately has not succeeded. Um, their businesses are no longer uh, a thing, which is just, it's sad. Um, a lot of those is maybe, you know, the lack of mentorship, the lack of kind of pushing for best outcomes. Yeah, you may have had even some good mentors as CIs and that sort of stuff, but that's a, let's see what most, it's 30 weeks, 32 weeks is the maximum. Yeah, 32 to 34. Is the minimum amount of clinical time you have, right? Less than a year. And you're trying to treat, you know, individuals that have had pain longer than you've been alive. 
um, the complexities behind that. So, um, you know, obviously these programs, residencies, fellowships, and that sort of stuff, obviously we preach is the, the main beauty behind is having excellent mentorship in tying with more up-to-date knowledge and, and research and whatever that may be, um, and learning from some of the greatest minds in our profession. Um, I think that's really what we need to push for versus, yeah, you're talking about uh, weekend courses. I've seen, um, I, I put it up on my story a couple of months ago, um, a virtual class, I don't even think it was a full day class, and then you got six letters after your name or three letters. And it was like, I got three of them in a row from the same company, all these little pamphlets. And it was just like, it literally advertised no test needed. So like those are, that's, that's where a lot of the issue is. Um, if you want to argue that, you know, the putting the time and effort into taking the OCS exam, isn't going to help you become a better clinician. It's probably because what you're doing to try and pass that test, I'm just going to memorize it uh just so i can pass the test just so i can get the letters just so i can get a maybe two thousand dollar raise in my salary versus i'm going to take this and i'm going to try and blend it in i'm going to try and apply it to the clinic i'm going to be you know evaluating day in day out and i'm using this to kind of springboard my career uh, i think that's where we really need to think about in regards to these tests or these advancements and stuff like that. Again, I don't really care about the letters. I care about the training and the mentorship that happened along the road of getting these letters. If we want to go in the letter route. Yeah. You, you, to me, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's about not studying to pass the test, which what most people do in PT school, they're just, Oh, we have a test coming up. Let me get an A. It means I know it, but three months down the road, you forget, mm -hmm. um, you know, are you studying to pass the test or are you studying to begin to apply it and change your practice? Right. The, if you say you, you take a, an, an OCS exam and you didn't learn anything like that's on you. Mm -hmm. um, that like, like you said, you don't care about the letters. Like when, when I finished my residency, and I was studying for the OCS and obviously you're nervous. And I'm like, oh no, I, I was like, I don't care if I pass this because my practice patterns and the way I think has evolved so much within that 13 months that if I fail this exam, I'm not losing my knowledge. Like I now have that knowledge. That's the beauty about investing in yourself. Like, but you know, whether it's a course on business side or a course on a clinical side or a course on a hobby that you like to do or Maybe you like to play golf and you want to get better. So you get a coach, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what this all is. But there's this like mantra or stigma that you can't do that in the PT realm. Like you, you, you spend enough education and that's the education system. It's just broken in the United States. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it costs over a hundred grand to get a three-year degree, like that's a different topic. But, you know, all these people that are on, on Twitter and Instagram and it's, for, it's our profession that are, well, I, I don't get a raise. So why should I take it? Mm. Wow. That's such a small and narrow mind that like, you're never going to progress in life. If that, like, if the only time you do something is because of a financial gain, mm -hmm. like you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, you're shooting the profession in the foot. And you'd be surprised when you take a test like an OCS or you do a residency or you get some mentorship by somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. 
um, the amount of passion and the eye opening, um, I don't know, experience that you go through where it's like, oh, wow, this can be way more than what I was taught it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you go find ways to make that OCS work for you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we spend what, 8,400 on a residency, another 10, 15 grand on a fellowship. I'd like to, I, it's safe to say I made my money back. Oh, right? uh, I'm a business owner, right? That's doing, that's profitable. We host courses that are profitable, right? We do that not because it's necessarily a financial gain, but like no. we were able to do that because we made our skills that good, that mm-hmm. damn good where we could provide value. Mm-hmm. And now people want to learn from us, yeah. right? We made our skills that damn good because we get calls, hey, I want to see Jeremy Boyd or I want to see Brandon Cruz, right? Well, he's not seeing patients, so you have to see the trash, the the, um, the staff who he's, that came out. <laughs> oh, not the trash, the staff who he's trained. I want to say staff who he's trained. The staff who he's trained, right? Because of my skill set, mm. because I put that, in, that time in, right? Mm. We, we take business courses to learn how to market and communicate better and X, Y, and Z to grow a business. So we can now foster and house physical therapy the way it should be. I'm pretty sure you and I, and I'm sure there's other people as well. You and I have made our money back on our education. Oh yeah. Right. So, you know, it wasn't an immediate return. Nope. But too often we look at an immediate return. Like you're in this game for 30 to 40 years and too many people are looking at what they're getting tomorrow Mm -hmm. or six months from now, instead of what they're getting five years, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've talked to on consultation calls or people just texting me or emailing me, Hey, I'm burnt out. I've been practicing two years. Oh, I'm not. I've been practicing nine. Well, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? Or really what the question is, what aren't you doing mm-hmm. that you're burnt out already? Yep. And we, we had, a, this is going to be another conversation. We had another podcast we have. Well, like, what are you going to do to get better? Yep. Like, what, what are you doing about X, Y, and Z? Right. We talked about somebody who sucks at a manipulation. Okay, fine. What are you going to do to get better? Like, you don't get better by just reading shit. You don't get better by just like studying, which is, Therapists are great at studying. Oh, yeah. Where's where's the clinical applicability? Mm -hmm. It's got to be live, in all honesty, because that's the human being. It's live. It's it's interactive. It's based on the environment. It's based off the the culture and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can read. And that's it. Like, you always hear, like, in school, it's like, oh, you have some of those incredibly book smarts. They're acing all their tests. Uh, but once you hear that they went out into the, into the real world in the clinic, that they struggled, they almost failed their clinics. Like, how is that possible? You went from leading the class and you had your A's and now you're out there and you're, you're struggling it's because you need, you need to tie it all together. That's the beauty of the profession. I mean, piggyback off of what you said, Brandon, um, I, I, I say it and maybe controversial, but, uh, you know, in regards to like PT salaries, the fact that you make 70, 75, maybe you're 10, 15 years out, only making $80,000. Uh, that's your fault. Um, it, it really is. Um, you know, the, that's, uh, I mean, you, if you're on, you know, physiogram, which, you know, is a great resource and some of these bigger PTs sort of 
sites is, you know, all you see in these comments is people bitching about, you know, we don't get paid enough and this and that, you know, earn the right to get paid more, uh, get your outcomes better that more people refer to you. Um, or, you know, these trainings give you the confidence, not only do these trainings give you the confidence clinically, give you the confidence to be, I always say like the alpha, uh, and being able to uh, you know, market yourself and you know show your expertise, yeah. um, do these sort of things so that you do get more money from a clinical standpoint. Um, but on top of that, it also gives you the confidence for other projects and the time management. Oh, to you know, you're bitching about oh, I don't make enough money in my 40 hour work week. Well, what are you doing with the rest of your hours? Well, when we went through residency, we'd work our 40, well, I was working more than 40 plus hours. And then I'd go home, have to read articles, hop on the discussion board, you know, do virtual rounds, all that sort of stuff. There's plenty of times I was up till two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, then all of a sudden that's removed from your life. What are you doing that time? You can get another job or you can, you know, invest into a business. And that, that, that time management and confidence skills gives you other opportunities. I got an undergraduate job midway through the, the interview for a subject I have really no experience or none understanding with simply based off of confidence and my training and willingness to keep doing more education, despite in theory being done. Like I didn't need to do any more. I just chose to do more. And here you go. Here's a couple grand for the semester to teach something, uh, you know, to undergraduates. All right. So that's it. That just paid off my residency. Great. I repeat that for two, three years. Wow, that paid off a fellowship. You do other things like you teach in Con Ed, um, you do virtual teaching, you're adjuncting, uh, you do consulting, whatever it may be. It, it all pays off. But uh, I think we need to take some accountability. We expect accountability from our patients to do their exercises, to listen to our instructions. Where's our accountability to ourselves of, you know, really trying to push our this profession forward and work towards getting paid more? You know, I think if we really you know, are truly the neuromuscular scale experts. We start changing everyone's minds and we're starting to in some places, but we still see people who went to shitty practitioners or uh, places end up having surgeries and they're in that vicious cycle. Um, but the places like most of our clients were the first one. I just got off the phone before this podcast with someone who sound like she got a probably grade one, grade two uh, calf strain, uh, could have easily went to the surgeon or ortho to that, but she called me up first. You know, if we change the mindset of people and we are becoming the most popular neuromuscular uh, practitioner out there, hell, that's going to probably lead to more money. Um, so that's, that's, that's my end rant on, on, on people and accountability. <laughs> and yeah, drink I mean, it's great. You have, you have to be accountable. Um, you know, and not everybody needs to go teach courses and, and teach at school and um, own businesses. It, it, you don't have to. But the environment you're in, one, choose one you like to be in. Uh, choose one that's going to invest in you as well. Um, I, I think that's a big thing that's not done enough in our, our um, profession. Like, you're out on your own, right? How many times, oh, yeah, you're going to get mentoring, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. Okay, and then you have no no backing, right? go to a job that is going to invest in you as well. And I know Jeremy and I do that. Right. And it's not to pat ourselves on the back, but you know, we want to our staff to grow. We, like we want, you know, we want our people to do better. Mm -hmm. 
right? So that's going to just lead to one, a fruitful environment. But this notion, and it comes to like, you were talking about all these people ranting on, on social media on what we get paid. You're, you're right. The system is broken. Insurance companies need to pay us more, mm. right? Or we need to charge more cat, like whatever. But on the other side, do you guys understand like, oh, I did the calculations. If I see X amount of people on this, I make 200 grand for the company. Okay, well, and I should get more. Well, there's your salary, add another 30% onto that because of taxes or social security and Medicare and all other bullshit that yep. the owner has to pay. You don't have to pay. There's a front desk staff they have to pay. There's the building that needs to be paid. There's the materials and costs of running the clinic that needs to happen. Utility, tables, et cetera, bands, weight, squat, right? Like there's all this other stuff that you have to pay for marketing expenses that need to be paid. Right. So the fact that you don't want to understand all the other stuff that goes into it, well, that's why your salary sucks because our profession is too tied down to hourly rates and 40 hour work weeks. Like anybody who makes serious money in any realm works more than 40 hours a week and they usually have a commission job. Right. So you want to make more money. I'll gladly sack up a, a deal with an employee. Hey, you want more money? Great. It's based upon performance and people seen. You want to see more people than make to make more money. Great. That's what sales, that's what commission is. Right. Yeah. That's what, you know, Tesla is. That's what um, Amazon is. Right. They sell you. They have billions of people paying $20 a month or a year, whatever the hell their fee is for Amazon Prime. Right. Like, that it's, it's conversions, it's sales, it's marketing yourself. It's convincing people that you're the better option. It's providing value. It's being able to communicate to a patient, your plan of care, why they need to come see you, like you said, um, and being able to have the confidence to do that. Well, that confidence comes from the knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So you get knowledge two ways, experience and actually learning about the subject, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And ideally it's a blend. So, you know, you go deeper into knowing your craft, then you have confidence in managing a patient in front of you, right? Um, you know, you're, you're a new grad, you're one, two years out, and you can't treat a simple plantar fasciitis because you're doing cross-fiction massage and big toe stretching or, or wearing that sock that they tell you to put on. Meanwhile, that's like level, like the most simple shit that you learn in school, but that, that, um, diagnosis goes a mile deep into intervention, other passable drivers that can be causing it, but you didn't take the time out to learn that. So why should you be paid more? Bingo. And that's all shit people can do on their own. You know, like we, we always bitch about that. Like, go. Sorry. Sorry. And yeah, then you like wonder all these people, like, I don't know if you know about stretch lab that's out there. You got a fucking company that's franchised to stretch people and they charge hundred dollars an hour to get stretching done. Meanwhile, the average therapy company can't get somebody to pay a hundred dollars a session. Well, mm -hmm. why? Cause there's perceived value in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, being able to communicate and sell what you're doing. Yeah. That, that and somebody can't stretch themselves. They can go put a sock on themselves that puts them in dorsiflexion. Mm -hmm. We literally just had this conversation on LinkedIn with uh, everyone should follow just for empowerment within the profession. Lance Mambry, Mambry, I believe, uh, he's he's pretty big on LinkedIn, but he he posted that about Stretch Lab, 
He's like, is this a threat to our profession? And a lot of people yes. are like, yes. I view is no, it shouldn't be. I mean, we have massage therapists out there. We have personal trainers doing stretching, whatever it may be. Um, but they shouldn't be. I well, they shouldn't be, but let's say massage therapists. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's say uh, it's out there and whatever it may be. Hell, we have a place not too far from one office that does high intensive neuro gate training unweighted with people who have no experience whatsoever. So that's a different debate on another day. That that gets Chris Carroll's uh, potatoes boiled, but it should be more than that. You know, we know that it's uh, what we provide isn't just purely stretching or manual therapy or whatever. And let's say efficacious of just stretching individuals isn't that great. Because if that was the case, yoga would be the primary choice for everyone, for anyone with neuromuscular pain. But physical therapy is more than that. It's more, it's, it's maybe manual therapy, which may incorporate some stretching, but it's education, it's exercise, it's taking the time, it's following up, it's testing and retesting, it's figuring out the specifics of each individual they're not doing that stretch lab because they don't have that. They don't have the knowledge part. All right. They get a quick course. Here's how you stretch someone. You strap them to the table. Let it, let it, let them have at it. But we're losing it because they're thinking probably at the same level than most of our PTs. They're, I'm going to cookie cut or something. Uh, may, hell, the stretch lab is probably giving more, one, more treatment than most places are. So, and we bitch about that. We complain, oh, they're taking away our business. Well, fucking work harder and be better, and they, those people will come to you, all right? Because I guarantee you, for more chronic pain or more serious pain, that the stretch lab is probably not going to get done. You know, that's when us as PTs or whatever other professions, chiros, whatever, um, that's where we can really add our value to it, uh, getting into the in-depth uh, psyche of individuals and combining with pain modulatory effects and combine with returning people a normalcy through exercise and functional exercises. Um, but, you know, we're losing to these places and rightfully so we, we suck because we're not, we're not, we're not good enough in all honesty uh, in sad cases, but I know places like Brandon's and um, you know, a lot of the people that we've had on the show, Joe Bylin and that sort of stuff, which are pushing the envelope and really getting good outcomes. And that's leading to, you know, more people in their doors and little places like stretch lab are not, you know, taking people out of business. My, my problem with stretch lab is they don't have a license to treat pain, right? It's in most practice acts. And this is another um, thing like pa patients don't know better. They know that they're tight or they're painful and they think an area is tight. So they, they're looking for a solution to them. So you, you're, they're going to a ill-equipped provider in stretch lab to cure a problem that should be a physical therapist because physical therapy is either a not known about or b has a horrible track record about it so mm -hmm. that's where my my problem yes it, it's it's a it's a bad thing um for us because you have people that should be coming to us that are not because like you said we're not doing a good enough job now that that is on multiple fronts that goes on communication that goes on skill set. That goes on a, a lot of different fronts here. Um, but like you said, they're they're able to make a model that works because they're providing perceived value. People will play for perceived value. Um, you know, just because you have a DR in front of your name doesn't mean anything because the perceived value of the U.S. medical model is pretty shitty as a whole. Um, 
now we're kind of going off to other topics. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is good. A lot of different tangents in that series. If I can bring up one more thing, I guess reeling us back in here for imposter syndrome and especially the claims that a lot of these individuals say and kind of tell you stop pushing yourself don't go for the ocs don't invest all this money into making yourself a better clinician which anybody who says that you shouldn't do that you should stop following them immediately start to question their whys of why they're doing that more often than not there's somebody who wants you to take that money that eight thousand ten thousand let's say even a course a weekend course of a thousand dollars and they want you to invest into whatever they're providing, something online, something, you know, cookie cutter, blueprinty, whatever it may be, um, and spend that money on them and whatever they can provide versus, you know, you making yourself a better clinician. Nobody in this world should ever try and convince you to not be a better clinician. And if they do, you should say, fuck you, you suck, you should retire and stop giving people advice. That's my opinion. On, on that so no, and, and, and you know just in general look at life or your career as an investment like that no one can ever take knowledge away from you so whether it's a course whether it's business whether it's marketing whether it's copywriting whether whatever realm you're going into any of these courses that you take are going to give you insight even the bad ones will give you insight um so it's understanding why and what you're trying to do with each course that you take that is going to make it successful or not. And then again, carrying it out, taking a course and then not taking any action on it is, is not going to do it. Taking a course, trying something for one week, one day, one week, one month, you're not going to become good enough. Like it takes a while to become really good and master something. You look at Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell's book outliers. You have the 10,000 hour rule, which means it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. So no matter what it is that you take, and usually these people who are complaining about imposter syndrome or course is not working, well, did the course not work or did you just not practice it? Like we just had a conversation with a, a potential intern who had taken a course on manipulations, actually it was our course, and then comes back and he's like, yeah, I really haven't been practicing or anything. Well, that's on you, bro. That's not the fact that our course sucks. Maybe it is, but you have to take some autonomy too. Like you can only bring a horse to water, no matter what it is you're, you're trying to learn, right? You could just learn it. You have to now do it every single day to become good at it. Mm -hmm. uh, that takes work. And uh, I just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's just people don't want to put that time in. Like there's no shortcut around it. Like, yeah. how do you get stronger? You work out every day. You mm -hmm. put time under the bar. How do you get better at basketball? You play and practice every day. How do you get better at driving? You drive, right? You don't read about driving. You get better. How do you get better at sex? You fucking have sex, right? Like <laughs> you don't read about it, right? Like, sure. It, you know, it's all, it's all, you know, you, you laugh. And I threw that last one in there for a little, little relief there, but like, there's no substitute for doing the work. Mm-hmm. There's none, you know, you can try and expedite it, which is obviously what we preach, but, um, you know, the imposter syndrome is thinking, you know, it all and thinking you don't need to, you know, any, any additional help. Yeah. That's, that's where the issue comes again, as we bring it back to the beginning is you come out of school, you feel like you're good, got the doctorate, don't need any help. 
Let me let me let me see what I can do. That's it. That's what I say a couple times on the show, Dunning Kruger effect, you know. Don't don't fall victim to that, you know. Start off with, yeah, I really I might have this degree. It's awesome. Let's me get my hands on people, lets me at least make a salary, which is better than most. Man, we bitch again about it's always a complaint. Oh, this surgeon gets, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars for only operating on someone for an hour and that sort of stuff. That surgeon busted his or her ass off till the time where they were close to 40. What have you done? You stopped learning at 24. They, and then they, oh, well, work 40 hours. They, most surgeons I know still work 80, 90, hundred hour weeks and they're having kids and having full families and that sort of stuff. And you're, you, you dare to com- compare it to them. Um, then again, there's, you know, good and bad of every profession and different skill level of surgeons and such, but, you know, they put the work, the time, the research, they all go through residency, fellowship training and that sort of stuff. So they earn the right to, you know, it's not the amount of time they put into a procedure. It's all that amount of time they put in beforehand to learn the procedure, to do it the right way, to get it done. So yeah, what's, that, what's that? You're not paying me for my time. You're paying for me for my time that it took me to learn how to do said activity, right? Like something like that. Yeah. But it's probably a more concise way, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not good with words. I can't think of the quote either. I've seen it hundreds of times, but can't think of it. And that's it. Like a lot of people, we, we see a lot of cash people and they're like, mm, I'm like, you know, eval $150. They're like, well, that's, that's a lot. I'm like, well, you've tried other places and that sort of stuff and clearly haven't gotten better. If you even try the surgical route, try us and you'll see. And everyone's like, yep, totally worth it. I haven't had anybody who's come in. and was like, that wasn't worth it. Um, it's cause you're the, the cost of that, that, that eval is because all the years beforehand, all the training and everything beforehand it wasn't, you know, it's not like I'm seeing them for half a day to do it. No, it's standard eval. So, yeah, I, I, last thing, I mean, you, you said, um, you said something that resonated. Like I, I had a patient, um, it was actually a PT. I've had this happen a few times where like, you know, they're like, Hey, funds are tight. I, I could pay you, you know, X amount of dollars. It's not my normal rate or anything. All right, fine. I said, I'll, you know, I'll treat you. Treat me for a handful of sessions. And then guess what? They referred X amount of people to me. They've taken my courses. They've done X, Y, and Z. Now I have a patient lifetime value. The lifetime, the immediate return was not there. Mm-hmm. Immediate, I'll tell you, the immediate term was in one instance, it was, it was like 10 or 20 bucks. I saw the person for I, I'm way more, I'm worth way more than that, right? 10 or 20 yeah. bucks. Well, I was referred like five family members, a couple friends, they right. referred someone to my courses, uh, actually. And then that person took another three courses, right? So my lifetime value for that person is now, you know, in the thousands, almost $10,000, if not more. Oh, yeah. Right? I didn't make, I made 10 bucks on them in the front end. Mm-hmm. But on the back end, I made a lot of money. You put, right? us, you put off that instant gratification of getting paid huh. you know, a lot of money for, again, you saw the long-term picture. Um. You know, and it's just putting out good in the world. Like, okay, you know, you pay it forward. So people have helped you out in the past. And granted, our profession sees too many um, or gives away too much things for free. I, I totally get it. But, you know, picking and choosing, you know, 
you know, when and, you know, understanding that there's probably going to be a longer term payoff. Um, that's just kind of the way the world works, the universe works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that comes down to bite people in the ass, right? Going back to imposters, you know, taking an OCS. And we're just using OCS as an example because there's no immediate um, return on your investment. Mm-hmm. But again, you have 30 years in your career. Yeah. Make it, make it worth the return. But I had, I had yeah. a professor um, when I went to go teach. Uh, he was a great professor, but uh, at the point, I was probably double board certified. I don't think I went through the fellowship at that point. I definitely did. And he's just like straight up. He had his own business and everything like that. And he's straight up said to me, he's like, if I were you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get any more certs or anything like that. And I was taken back by him. And this guy was ZDD, I believe, PhD, one of the sorts. Um, and he was like, it's not going to gain you any more money or any more referrals. And every once in a while, you do get a random bloke who is an OCS in Kentucky referring someone down the road for an OC, who wants to look for an OCS. I know I do that a ton of times. That's how I search for people. Um, but my my response was like, I don't do it for referrals. I don't. I don't do it at all for referrals. I do it to get better, to get my patients better quicker. Um, so I understand more to prevent us unnecessary surgery, to give someone hope and that sort of stuff. So I don't do it for referrals. Um, I don't do it for more money. I don't do it for any of that. It's really just to I want to get better at my crafting become a better representation of what this profession can do that's the my only only reason and it's like oh i'm sad it's like oh it's like what you do after fellowship like (laughs) it's like oh maybe take another fellowship i don't know um conferences like a lot of this stuff is just networking anyway like probably didn't realize at the time but looking back like at, at every level i've made it like i met jeremy at residency wouldn't wouldn't have met this this young chap over here if i didn't go to residency well now look at what we've done well i started my practice then he wanted to start his he reached out well we've built a a friendship over that now now we do courses together then he decided to do fellowship he's met some people through fellowship they asked us now to do courses like this is you know when we do residency 2014 we're now in 2022 right so this chain of events this butterfly reflect is now paying off, quote unquote, eight years down the road where, you know, and at least this is not, these are just examples in our lives, you know, it'll happen differently in other people's lives, but like this is the outline that that happens. And then we'll meet some people from meeting those people and and we present at AOM, then we meet people there and then they ask us to do X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. um, I was just asked from somebody in my fellowship to host a John Needlin course, like, that's a contact, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we did this. Uh, I did fellowship. Joe Bylan, we asked him on the show because uh, I like his approach and we, we uh, sink eye to eye on a lot of things. He came on our show. He he talked. Um, I forget what we talked about on his show. Um, education. education. Guess what? Somebody listening um, uh, knew Joe Bylan from way back when, reached out and asked him to, uh, to do a course. So he got somebody out of it. Like, this is this is what it keeps kind of going out and you know shit i'm just realizing this shit so you know pay, paying that forward and, and and looking big picture bigger horizon and um if you don't have the money to invest in yourself i get it we're all 
We were all broke as shit in college and PT school, and we're in a shit ton of debt coming out of it. And if you're like, oh, well, I can't afford it now, let's face it, 10 years down the road, you're probably not going to have any much more money because, you know, you start a family, not to knock on having a family and that sort of stuff, but it's going to, it's going to, you'll still be in debt. Um, you know, work something out. All right. You get a couple thousand dollars from your company um, for continuing education, invest that into something, pay up like half of it and that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it now. And then can't do it next year. And then six years go by and you hit your job because you chose not to do something that, that could have helped out years ago. So work something out, negotiate with your employer, um, you know, pick up a weekend job to pay off the extra education or whatever it may be, you know, don't let, you know, your current financial situation, you know, restrict you for the rest of your life. All right. So that you're not the 60 year old therapist hating his job and doesn't have any money in the bank, but that's my, how you, um, if you don't have money, you have time, Uh right. Try and shadow somebody, you know, tell somebody you'll, you'll work for free. If you're earlier on, Hey, I'll, I'll do X, Y, and Z. If you just teach me what you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. So, all right. I guess with that, we'll let yeah. uh, we keep, keep, rant rant, today. keep ranting on. We keep ranting on. St. Patty's so, Day just lit a fire under our ass. I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the raspberry whale cake. Yeah. Well, everyone, um, thanks for coming on board uh, listening in to our rants today. Hopefully, you got, got something out of it. Yeah, stay tuned. Listen to the intro there where we have some courses coming up, our ACL courses this weekend. Uh, following up with our lumbo pelvic, uh, we have a private course as well, and then a couple shoulder shoulders. The next one down by okay. me, I believe, and then uh, a next few down by you. Yeah, you know the South, Philly, all those places. Come on in, let's uh, let's get better. Um, but uh, yeah, let's level up as this beer is. All right, level up. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in and cheers. Happy St. Patty's Day. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers, everyone. <laughs>